The word of the Lord is dig ditches. Dig some ditches. Turn to someone actually say, dig those ditches. If you got a Bible, go to 2 Kings chapter 3. Yeah, you could get loud and excited about the word of God. 2 Kings chapter 3 is the story about the Israelites when they were in a very tough time and they needed God to show up. They needed God to do a miracle. And the miracle would be connected to their actions. Faith without works is dead. If we want God to move in our lives, oftentimes God will ask us to take an act of faith, to take a step of faith. And if you'll take the step of faith, God will meet you in the middle with a miracle. So in 2 Kings chapter 3, verse 9, the king of Israel, the king of Judah, and the king of Edom started out on what proved to be a looping detour. Let's stop right there. Have you ever felt like your life was just in a looping detour before? Have you ever felt like you were in a season where you were just kind of going in circles? Anyone out there? You just feel like you're not getting to your destination. You've been praying for something to happen, and it hasn't happened yet. It's felt like one long, looping detour. Raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And there's those times where you're trying to figure out, why have we not arrived yet? Why have we not seen the victory yet? And it, this was a time where the Israelites and, and the kings, they were all uh, out in the wilderness. And it says after seven days, they ran out of water. So now here they are. They're on a detour. They're not getting where they want to get to. Now they're out of water. The very thing that was sustaining them, their army, their animals are dying of thirst. And the king of Israel, anytime you're facing a problem, you start looking for who to blame. Anytime you're in a detour, you start trying to figure out who's the Jonah on the ship. Who do we need to throw off the boat? Who's the one who caused this storm? Who's the one who's causing the lack in our business right now? Who's stopping the flow? How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? You start looking for who to blame. Who's, what, why are we in debt? It's your fault. It's their fault. And in this moment, the king said, it's God's fault. Watch what the king of Israel said. Bad news. God's the one who got us three kings out here to dump us into the, in the hands of the Moabites. So he, basically the king of Israel said, look, God's leaving us high and dry. He's leaving us out here to die. We're going to be overwhelmed by our enemies. Here we are. We're dying of thirst, and now we're going to die by the enemy. But Jehoshaphat, thank God for a man of God who speaks up when everyone else is blaming God. There's someone who speaks up and says, listen, God is not your problem. God is not the source of your deficiency. God is the source of your sufficiency. God is the one who's going to help you in the midst of your lack. So Jehoshaphat speaks up and he says, isn't there a prophet? Isn't there someone who knows God? Isn't there someone around here through whom we can talk to God? In the Old Testament, they had to have a priest or a prophet in order to talk to God. So when the Israelites got delivered out of Egypt, they used Moses to go to the mountain to talk to God and then come and talk to them. Moses would go into the tent of meeting, the tabernacle, in order to hear God's voice and then deliver it to the children of God, the church. In the New Testament, Jesus became our prophet. He became our high priest. He became our pastor. Come on, are y'all, y'all awake this morning? Jesus came to replace the way the Old Testament did things. That means that you don't need me to talk to God. You can talk to God yourself. You don't have to come to a prophet. You don't have to wait until Robert Madu preaches the word. You don't have to wait until Stephen Furtick lays hands on you to cast the demon. You can talk to Jesus yourself. You don't have to wait till Bishop T.D. Jakes comes and anoints your business. You can begin to prosper as you connect with God yourself. 
So in the Old Testament, they had to find a prophet because they didn't have that connection with God. Again, Jesus broke that barrier. We have that connection. So they go, listen, let's find someone who knows God. And they said, I think there's a man named Elisha. One of the servants of the king of Israel said, listen, there's this guy named Elisha who was mentored by Elijah. Elijah mentored Elisha. And he's somewhere around here. And this is the guy who served Elijah during all the miracles that Elijah did. Remember when Elijah called fire down from heaven and then Elijah, you know, spoke and the rain stopped and then he spoke again and the rain came back again. And so they said, let's get Elisha out. They, they think that he has the double portion, the double anointing on him. So Jehoshaphat said, okay, good. Get, get someone we can trust. Get a man who knows God. So the three of them, the king of Israel, Jehoshaphat, and the king of Edom, uh, Edom went to go and meet Elisha. So they pull up. They've got all their horses, their chariots, their escalades. They pull up with all their, you know, army. They're looking strong and tall. And Elisha addressed the king of Israel. He looks right at the king. He says, what do you and I have in common? Go consult your puppet prophets that your father and your mother consulted. I love Elisha is just gangster. He just does not care what anyone thinks. He's like, I'm, a, I'm not going to be politically correct. Praise God for the the leaders who are not afraid to offend <laughs> those who want everything to be sugar-coated and sweet. Elisha goes, go talk to your puppets. Why do you come to me? And the king of Israel said, never. It's God who got us into this trouble. God's the one who got us into this mess. Listen to what he's saying. He dumped all three of us kings into the hand of Moab. And Elisha looks at him and he says this. As God of the angel armies lives and before whom I stand ready to serve. If it weren't for the respect that I have for Jehoshaphat, you got one guy that I respect, and that's the reason I'm talking to you. You got one guy who's connected to me, and that's the reason that I am helping you out. Can I tell you something today? If you're in a mess and you feel like you've screwed up, you've messed up, you've done all the wrong stuff, the good news is you got one guy who's connected to your Father in heaven. You got a savior, you got an attorney, you got a lawyer who's pleading on your behalf, who says, I know Ty, I know Paul, I'm standing up for them, I know AJ. They may not be perfect, but I took the, the sin on the cross. You have a savior who has made you right with God, so when he looks at you, he sees the son. In this case, Elisha said, Jehoshaphat, is what gives you the credit for me to do a miracle in your life. In your case, Jesus is who gives you the credit for God to do a miracle in your life. So the good news is if you've messed up, God says, I still see Jesus in you. I still see your faith in Jesus. And because you got a connection with Jesus, I'm going to get involved in your business. I'm going to get involved in your life. So he says this, if it wasn't for Jehoshaphat, I wouldn't give you the time of day. But considering, bring me a minstrel. Bring me an instrumentalist. I need someone to come and play on the piano over here. I need our instrumentalist. There's something different about preaching with music. I like, how many of y'all just like it when there's just music going on? It just changes the atmosphere. Mark DeLuca, play, play something nice back there. Mark is one of our good friends. Yeah, give it up for Mark DeLuca back there. Come on. Elisha said, we're about to change the atmosphere here. You guys have been complaining. You've been talking about your problems. Get me, get me the worshipers out. 
Let's stop talking about our problems and let's start talking about our promise keeper. Let's stop talking about what's wrong with our nation and let's start prophesying what God wants to do in our nation. Let's stop complaining about what's wrong in our house, what's wrong with our money, what's wrong with our kids, what's wrong with our health. Let's stop pointing fingers and let's start bending our knees to pray and ask for God to do something in this nation. So Elisha says, get out the worshipers. Because if we're going to see a breakthrough, it's going to start with worship. Get, get out the worshipers, because if we're about to see God move in this land, it's not going to come with dry, stale religiosity. It's going to come with a heartfelt encounter with God. It's going to come when you bend your knees and you linger in his presence. Holy Spirit, I pray right now for every person who's in a setback, every person who needs you to show up, every person who came in here today, they don't even know it but they're in need of a miracle. They're, they are due for an encounter with you. And God, you wanted to meet with them. God, you wanted to speak to them. Lord, you wanted to arrest their attention this morning. You wanted to awaken their spirit. You wanted to stir their faith. Some, some in the room have stopped dreaming. They've stopped believing. They've stopped expecting you to do something. But today, God, I pray, Lord, that you would ruffle them, God, that you would stir them, God, that you would awaken the faith inside them to believe for the supernatural. So Elisha says in the next verse, God's word. Everybody say God's word. I love that's how it starts. God's word. God's word. Not CNN's word, not Fox News word, not the doctor's word, not the counselor's word. Not your wife's word, not your husband's word, God's word. Everybody say God's word. He says God's word, dig ditches. Dig ditches. If you got a pen, just underline that in your Bible. Just write that in your notes. Dig ditches all over this valley. Don't dig just one ditch. Don't dig just two ditches. Don't dig just in one part of the valley. Dig ditches all up and down. Get ready. Get ready, get ready, get ready. Dig some, I need a shovel. Where's a shovel at? Someone got a shovel? There's a shovel somewhere in the room. Whoever, whoever has that shovel, y'all are like, I don't have it, Paul. I don't, I promise I don't have it. It's not under my seat. Someone's, some, there he is. Come on. Give it up for our awesome AV team back there. Just making things happen. Building a great stage for conference. Dig ditches. But Paul, the soil is hard. It's not even, it, it's nothing like this picture, Paul. That picture looks like soft soil. That's easy to dig. My soil's got rocky soil. You haven't seen my, my kids. You haven't dealt with my spouse. It's not soft soil. It's rocky soil. Dig ditches. But the soil's hard. It's hard ground. My company's hard. I haven't seen a miracle in years. My friends are getting blessed. My friend got a scholarship to college. My soil's hard. Where I come from, it's tough, Paul. I can't dig ditches. Dig ditches. Everybody say dig ditches. All over this valley. And then watch what Elisha says. He's prophesying. He's prophesying. Go ahead, Mark. Just play something on the piano. Play something beautiful. He's prophesying with the music. He's saying, as you begin to dig something powerful is going to happen. You won't know where it came from. You won't even see the wind. You won't even feel the rain. 
but by this time tomorrow, water is going to fill every ditch that you have dug. Something's about to shift in the next 24 hours. Something's gonna change before 2020 is over. Where you've been seeing so much pain, where you've been feeling so much depletion, where there's been so much deficiency, where you feel like you've been in a looping detour, God's about to show up, but you gotta dig the ditches. You gotta get ready because the water is going to fill every ditch you dig. And if you don't dig a ditch, you're gonna miss out on the blessing that God has. Don't miss out on the blessing. Don't just dig one ditch. Don't just dig two ditches. Dig ditches all over this valley. Watch what he says. He says, you won't hear the wind, you won't see the rain, but this valley is gonna fill up with water. This valley's gonna fill up. Okay, Mark, just stop for a second. Y'all are like, man, what just happened? You see what I'm saying? The music definitely changes the atmosphere, right? Right? When there's music and there's preaching, the combination, they just go together. Y'all are like, yeah, can we get back to that? <laughs> I wanted to pause because this is what it's going to sound like when you get in your van after church, except for you're going to have babies screaming. You're going to have someone talking to you. You're going to have to figure out where you're going to eat afterwards. You're gonna have to figure out how to pay the bills this next week. You're gonna have to figure out what's gonna happen with school, whether you're gonna homeschool your kids, whether you're gonna put them in this school or that school. You're gonna have to figure out what you're gonna do with your job. You're gonna have to deal with people that just rub you the wrong way, frustrate you, and there won't be any music. And you're like, can we get back to the music? Can I get back to how it felt when there was just good feelings? All right, Mark, let's bring the music back just for those out there that need the good feelings. But you gotta learn to dig without the feelings. You don't have to feel it to dig it. I don't have to feel like worshiping God to lift my hands. I don't have to feel like singing to sing. I don't have to feel like loving to love. I don't have to feel like forgiving someone who's hurt me in order to forgive them. I don't have to feel like giving in the offering in order to put my finances in God's hands and tithe every single time a paycheck comes in, every single time I give. I don't have to feel like being generous to be generous. Some of us have put so much on our feelings. Go ahead, stop the keys for a second. I gotta stop. We gotta talk about this. Some of us only dig when we got the feelings. We're only digging when we got the feelings. Like right after you watched that one, what was that movie with Kirk Cameron and they talk about marriage and love? Fireproof, fireproof. So many couples got so excited to work on their marriage right after they saw fireproof. And then like a few weeks later, the love dare stopped. Because <laughs> when you feel like loving your spouse, when you feel like writing a card, when you feel like sending flowers, when you feel like going to church, right after 9-11, everybody was back in church. And then a, a couple months go by and people start going to church once a month, then once every three months, then once a year. You got to learn to dig even when you don't feel like it. If we're going to see water fill the ditches, we got to learn how to dig when we don't feel like it. Watch what he says here. He says this valley. OK, let's bring the let's bring the music back. It feels good with the music. <laughs> This valley is going to fill up with water and your army and your animals will drink their fill. In other words, there's going to be more than enough water. And this is an easy thing. Everybody say, this is an easy thing. That's what my Bible says. This is an easy thing for God to do. The problem you're facing right now, the debt that you need to knock out. How many got some debt that you just need God to pay off? How cool would it be if someone just wrote you a check 
for every single amount of your debts to be paid off. How cool would it be? How many of y'all need a car? How many just need some transportation? Your car's been breaking down. You keep paying to get it fixed. Couple, how many of y'all need a house to sell? House to sell. You, you got your house on the market. How many of you need to buy a house? You need a house. All right. How many just need God's help with your finances? Yeah, that's a lot of us in the room. How many would like to be able to bless more people in your life? You'd like to sow more seeds into missions. You'd like to give, you'd like to pay for the entire North Tulsa swimming pool. How many of you just say, man, if I had that kind of money, if, if I had that kind of, if I had it, if I had, stop saying if I had it, say when I get it. When I get it, when God does what I know he can do. I'm going to be that guy that writes that I'm going to be that person that gives that single mom a car, not just an old used car that breaks down the day after she uses it. I'm going to give her a brand new car. I'm going to be that one. I'm going to be that mom that blesses other families. I'm going to be that one that visits people in the hospital. And when I lay hands on the sick, they're going to get healed. I'm going to see God. How many of y'all want to see God do a miracle in and through your life? Come on, I've seen it. I've seen God do it. Even in the last few months in my life, I've laid hands on people that were sick and I've seen them get healed. And some of you in the room, you've never seen it. And you go, oh, I'll never see that. Only pastors. No, no, no. Every person who's a believer in Jesus Christ can begin to walk in the supernatural authority and the gifts that the Holy Spirit wants to pour out on you. And I'm saying this, get ready for what God wants to do. And so watch what he says. He says, this is an easy thing for God to do. And not only is he going to give you water, because that's all you're asking for right now. Some of us are only asking for water. You have settled for one miracle. You are only asking for water. Elisha says, oh, this is funny. You're only asking for water, but God's going to supersede your expectations. Not only is he going to give you water, not only is he going to give your animals water and all your armies water, he's also going to hand your enemies over to you. This week, you're going to conquer your enemies. You will no longer be on the run, hiding out from the Moabites. You're about to go in and pillage everything they've stolen, everything that they've messed up, everything that this virus has screwed up in you. You're about to see a victory over this virus that has ticked off your family. They are waiting for you to rise up. Don't settle for water when you can have a victory over your enemies. Get the water and get the victory. Somebody say, get the water and the victory. In other words, get the provision and get the deliverance. Get the provision. You want God to provide for you. But God's saying, I'm trying to deliver you out of those addictions as well. So I'll provide for you. But I want you to get in discipleship class. I want you to dig some ditches. Because I'm going to bring the water, but I'm also going to set you free from some toxic habits you've allowed into your life. Because what good is it if I pay off all your debt? But you still walk around with that slavery to sin and you keep going back to those old nasty habits and I paid off all your debt. You're still a slave. You're still in bondage. How about I pay off your debt and I set you free from that toxic stuff? How about I pay off your house and I get you out of those addictions? How about I pay off your, your kids tuition and I set them free from drugs and alcohol? How about I pay for that scholarship and I make your marriage strife free, coral free. You start having peace in your house. Get the water and get the victory. Get the provision and get the deliverance. But the key in this passage is dig ditches. So Lord, I pray that you'd speak to us this morning on how to dig the ditches in our own life for the areas that we need to see the water fill up. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much, Mark.
Come on. Praise God. What's going on, AJ? You're stirring people's faith. Someone just sent a text and said, I want to buy a single mom a brand new car. Come on. What? What? That's incredible. That's incredible. I have a feeling that by the end of this service, we're going to see not just one, but we're going to see multiple miracles happen in this service. What if by the time we got to conference, we were already celebrating multiple praise reports and miracles of houses being sold, debt being paid off, cars being given away, miracles. I speak right now over Ashley Ann Spa, who's in the hospital right now. Resurrection life in Jesus name. We're praying for you, Ashley. We're speaking health and healing over you. Every person who's watching online who needs a miracle in your body, who needs a miracle in your marriage, a miracle in your family. We're digging ditches for you this morning. We showed up not just to play church. We showed up to to consult the living God on your behalf, to say, Lord, fill their ditches with water. Lord, hand their enemies over to them. Victory in Jesus' name. If you agree with that, say amen. amen. Man, I feel the Holy Spirit right now. Woo! Come on, Jesus. <laughs> dig ditches. Somebody say dig ditches. A year and a half ago, this shovel was given to our family. And we had a bunch of these shovels that were given to us. We got a picture of us holding these shovels as a family. At that time, we didn't have Ellie yet, just Liam, Benny, and Mac. We're holding these shovels. We're standing on a parking lot where there's potholes and cracks. And four years ago, I thought, man, we just need to fix that parking lot. We need to fix the cracks. We need to fill in the potholes. God said, don't ask for a small thing when you can ask for a big thing. Don't settle for filling in the cracks and fixing the potholes when I've called you to level the ground and build a new building. Don't settle for a small thing when you can dream and imagine for a greater thing. It was just 17 months ago that we stood on that parking lot. I want to show those pictures again, that we broke ground for the future of our youth, for the future of our Bible college, for the future of our children's church, for the future of discipleship classes. And this next week, we are moving into a brand new building that you saw God build because of your generosity. Can I tell you that building is a testimony of hard work and generosity from this church. That's a testimony of the church rising up and saying, I'll give, I'll give. It's not just one big gift. There are thousands of people who gave towards that building. And when we walk into that building, we are walking into a testimony of what God did. As we dug the ditches, God filled it up with rain. And we have a room in there that can see 800 people. And I'm believing God. Some of y'all say, well, now, Paul, how many youth come to our Wednesday night service? We got about 250 to 300. Am I right, Josh? About 250 to 300. You said, no, no. Why didn't we just build a room for 250 to 300? Because we're digging ditches. But what if God doesn't fill up all the ditches? 
I'm believing that he's going to fill that room up twice on a Wednesday night. That we'll have 800 teenagers fill up that room. And then another 800 teenagers fill up that room. That we're going to have middle schoolers who are far from God. Who are going from all these different schools and all this different stuff that's going on. High schoolers. And they're going to show up at Victory Youth. And they're going to get saved on Wednesday nights. And we're going to see revival. Come on, how many of y'all believe that God can do it? He could fill it up. If he did it back then, he could do it again. Here's the key. Only God can send the water, but he wants you to dig the ditch. Only God can. You can't produce the water. That's God's job. But you can dig the ditch. You can dig the ditch. And when you dig the ditch, it's an act of faith. Real faith believes big, but is willing to start small. See, real faith is not just showing up to church going, God, do something great in me. That's, that's believing big. That's awesome. But the next step is to do something small. It's to do something small. It's to give in the offering. It's to do something small like serving on the dream team. It's to do something small like blessing someone who's in need. It's to do something small like applying for the dream that's in your heart, whether it's college or working or getting promoted at your job, doing something small, putting in a good word for someone else, blessing somebody else, walking in integrity. Real faith believes big, but is willing to dig small ditches. If you show God your faith, he will show you his faithfulness. If you just say, God, I believe, I think the first way that we dig the ditches is with believing. Everything starts with believing. Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. In other words, you got to see it in here before you see it out there. So when my father passed away, and I remember the next couple of years, it was really tough on our church. 2012, 2013 was a really tough season and there was this dream that was deposited in my heart. One day, we're going to have our youth on the same side of the street as our church. One day, we're going to have our Bible college on the same side of the street as our church. I saw this vision of a, 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 a main campus where we had our school, our Bible college, our teenagers, that we had room to grow for our kids, room to grow for the school, room to grow for the Bible college, that it was all on this side of the street. But I had to believe it in here that it was possible. Everybody say believe. Mark chapter 9 says, anyone who believes that nothing is impossible with God. If you can believe, all things are possible for him who believes. If you can believe it, get it settled down in your spirit. God can do it. If you believe it, the first way to dig the ditch is just to believe. To believe that God can pay off the debt. To believe. There's a lot of Christian atheists. There's people who claim to be Christians, but they don't believe that God can do the supernatural. There's a lot of people who, who come to church on Sunday, check it off the list, and I'm a Christian, but we live Monday through Saturday as if God doesn't exist, as if God can't show up in our marriage, can't show up in our house, can't show up in our kids, can't show up in our school, can't show up for our job. And that's, that's atheism. That's, the deny, that's denying that God's power is real. And it's time to get your belief back in the supernatural power of God. Believe that all things are possible. Mark 11 says, anyone who says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea. You got to believe it in your heart. You got to conceive it in your heart. Ephesians chapter one. Can I hit you guys with scripture this morning? Come on. You didn't just come to hear my opinion. You came to hear the word of God. Ephesians 1:19 says, this is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who, what's that word? believe the exceeding greatness of his power. In other words, God has so much power 
God has so much riches. We do not serve a bankrupt God. We do not serve a God who is uncaring. He has so much he wants to do according to us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power. Maybe the reason we're not seeing the rain is because we're trying to produce the water all by ourselves. And God's saying, I just want you to dig the ditches. I want you to believe that I can do it. I want you to believe that I can do it. So uh, a month ago, I shared this on Wednesday night, but a month ago, I was, um, I was in the mountains and I had this like vision, I had this dream that I saw a bear while I was hiking. And I woke up from the vision or the dream and I just thought, I'm gonna see a bear. And I started telling people, I'm gonna see a bear. They were like, no, you shouldn't, you shouldn't ask God for that. I was like, God's gonna show me a bear. While I'm hiking in the mountains, we were, I was up in Wyoming, uh, I said, I'm gonna see like a bear, a big bear. And they were like, stop saying that, you're scaring us. I was like, it's gonna happen, I can just feel it. I, can, I just believe it's going to happen. Sure enough, while I was hiking, I think we got some video footage or a picture, if you have that. This bear was right in front of us, right as we were hiking. There was a big black bear, about a teen, like a teenager-sized bear. He was over there. Not only did I see that one, I saw four other bears. I saw a grizzly bear out in the woods. Y'all think this is funny. Y'all think this is crazy. But I'm telling you this, I believed it before I saw it. I believed it was gonna happen. One of my friends said, that's never gonna happen. No one sees bears just on a hike. That's super rare. That happens one in a million times. I said, get away with your negative energy. I need people who are positive, who are agreeing with my belief. I need people, shut the door on the naysayers. I want those who are agreeing with me that I will see a bear. And he was like, all right. And sure enough, we saw it. When I was a kid, my mom and dad, we were driving to Camp Victory and, uh, they asked each of us kids to pray over the day. And I started praying. I said, Lord, I thank you that I'm going to catch a lizard today. That while I'm out at Camp Victory, I'm going to catch a beautiful lizard. And my hand is going to connect with that lizard on the ground. And I will lift it up and he will become my pet. In Jesus' name, amen. And my mom and dad were laughing. They were like, Paul, why, why are you asking for a lizard? I said, a lizard's my favorite animal. I've always wanted to have a lizard. They're like, you're six years old. I said, I know, ever since I was born, lizards, I've wanted to have lizards. You guys won't get me a lizard. I'm gonna catch a lizard. And so my dad's you know, laughing. He's like, oh, don't get your hopes up. That same day, I caught a lizard at Camp Victory. The director of the camp said, this never happens. No one sees lizards out here. Lizards live in Mexico. They live in Florida. They don't live in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Some of y'all have seen some lizards, but I caught a lizard that day. Now you could call it luck or you could call it coincidence. I call it faith. Come on, Jesus. What just happened, Pastor AJ? So you prayed for Miss Anspaugh, a teacher that's been in a coma. They're watching online right now. She started moving. They're watching online right now. She hasn't moved all week until you prayed. Come on. Get your hopes up, church. Get your faith up. Believe. Believe. Acts 2, 26, the message version, David says, I will pitch my tent in the land of hope. I will camp out in the land of hope. Where are you camping out? Where have you put your tent? Some of us have put our tent in a land of doubt, in a land of unbelief. That'll never happen. I share the funny stories about the bear and the lizard because I want some kid in the room to know 
that God is a great God, but he cares about the small details of your life. He cares about the little desires. I remember when we were eating at Rex's Chicken over here on 71st and Lewis back in 1995. How many of y'all remember Rex's Chicken that used to be right over here where Mexico Lindo is now? Well, Rex's Chicken. I remember sitting there and I said, God, I thank you that someone's going to buy our meal today. See, God cares about the little prayers and the big prayers. I remember I saw someone came and paid for our whole family's meal that day. We ate Rex's chicken for free. You go, well, that's just because, you know, that, that, that only happens to you guys. No, it happens for those who believe. Dig the ditches. Well, what happens if it doesn't happen? I would rather live in the land of hope than live in the land of cynicism. But Paul, what if I get my hopes up and God doesn't show up? I would rather get my hopes up and live with faith and be on the other side of trusting in God even when it doesn't go my way and seeing God still do something powerful in my life. Sometimes you get to see the miracle, sometimes you get to be the miracle. But you tell me, I've been around people who are cynical, who just never believe God for anything, who are always doubting, making fun of other believers, making fun of people who live with faith, and they just seem like they're not enjoying their life. They just seem so cynical, so cold, so harsh towards other people. And then I watch people with a soft heart, with generosity, with faith, with just an exciting prayer, just an expectant spirit. And I think, you know what? Even if it doesn't get answered, I would rather be that girl. I'd rather be that guy. I'd rather be that person who lives with such faith, such belief that God can do it. It all starts with the inside, that you would believe in your heart, camp out in the land of hope. Believing starts in the mind, though. It's in the mind. And I was thinking about how my phone this summer needed an update. It needed, uh, like it, it was saying, iOS, iOS update required, iOS update. How many have ever seen that on your phone where you need, you need an upgrade, like something's running slow. It's slowing down. iOS stands for internal operating system. That's your belief, your internal operating system. Some of us are not seeing God show up because we're using Windows 96, and it's 2020. Come on, some of y'all need to upgrade your computer system. Some of y'all are still using Solitaire from 1995, and the computer's like, it's glitching. Some of us have not believed God for something in years. Hebrews 11 verse 6 says, you cannot please God without faith. You cannot please God without faith faith. In other words, you need to get your faith believing God for something. But Paul, I don't want to believe God for me. That's selfish. Then believe God for someone else. You know someone who needs to get pregnant. You know someone who needs to get married. You know someone who needs a house to sell. You know someone who needs a miracle. Why not use your faith for them? Why not start believing God? You cannot please God without faith. And you have to come to God believing that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. In other words, you got to believe that God's a good God you got to get your faith out that God cares about the details of your life. Believe in your heart. Isaiah 3 verse 10 says, tell the church that all will be well for them. Tell the godly that God is going to do something good for them. Something good is going to happen to you today. This is scriptural, church. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. To dig ditches, you got to believe it. And number two, you got to speak it. You've got to say it. Words are a powerful thing. Proverbs says that life and death is in the power of the tongue. In Genesis chapter 1, the very first thing that God does is he speaks. Before he even acts, he speaks. Let there be light. Boom, there it was. Let there be stars in the sky. He spoke it. 
What are you speaking over your life? What are you speaking right now? What words are coming out? Are you cursing what God wants you to begin to bless? Are you speaking? Are you describing the darkness instead of speaking the light? God wants us to change the narrative. In Ezekiel 37, I want the keys to come out. Ezekiel 37, there was a valley of dry bones. God leads this prophet out to the valley of dry bones. And he says, what do you see? He says, I see a valley of dead dry bones. And God says, can these dry bones live? And Ezekiel says, you're the only one who knows. God, you're the only one who knows whether a miracle can happen. You're the only one who knows whether this marriage can be restored. You're the only one who knows whether she can rise up out of the sickbed. God, you're the only one who knows whether we can get out of debt. You're the only one who knows whether we'll ever own a house. You're, you're the only one who knows whether, whether my kid will ever be healed of that sickness. You're the only one who knows, God. You're the only one who knows. That's usually our answer to God. God, I don't know. I want to believe, but you're the only one who knows. And I love what God says back to Ezekiel when he says, you're the only one who knows. He says, prophesy. I know that I know, but I want you to know. I want you to know what I know. And what I know is that there is power in your words. So I'm asking you to prophesy. Ezekiel could have said, God, you prophesy. You dig the ditches. God said, I can bring the rain, but I want you to dig the ditches with your words. I want you to begin to prophesy over the nation of Israel. So he began to prophesy. Lord, I pray for these bones to come together. Lord, I pray for the skin to come back on these bones, the muscles to come back on these bones. As he began to prophesy, there was a rattling in the valley. As he began to speak it out, things begin to shift. Your words have prophetic power. Never name your future based on your current circumstances. Never let a current setback become a permanent prophetic word in your life. You need to begin to prophesy the opposite of what you're seeing that's negative in your life. Begin to speak it out. Lord, I thank you. You're paying off this debt. Lord, I thank you, God. You're multiplying my seed. God, I thank you, Lord, that we are the head and not the tail. We're above and not beneath. Lord, I thank you, God, for peace in our house. Lord, I thank you, God, that we're the most generous couple on the street. Lord, I thank you, God, you're going to use us to bless the nations. Lord, I thank you, God, that you're multiplying our company. God, I thank you, Lord, as we launch the next product, God, that it's going to succeed. Lord, I thank you. We are the head and not the We're going above. We're not going under. We're not quitting. God, I thank you that we're more than conquerors. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in this world. Get your words in front of your sea. Get your words in front of the rain. Your words are digging a ditch for God to fill up. Think about Paul and Silas when they begin to speak out praise in the middle of a jail cell. Talk about hard soil to dig in. Here they are. They're in shackles and they start praising God. What are they doing? They're digging a ditch for God to fill in the rain. As they begin to speak it, as they begin to sing it, God broke the shackles off their hands. As you begin to speak it, faith needs a voice. Vision needs a voice. You have to declare it. Uh, uh, Psalm 27 verse 13 David said, I will remain confident in this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. What was he saying? Things might look bad around me, but I declare that God's not finished yet. My best days are still in front of me. I'm going to see God's glory in my life. I'm going to see God show up. 
There's a reason we say our confession every week. It's not filler words. It's not words we say just to say. It's because it comes from a place in my life when I spoke it and I didn't feel like it. You don't have to feel like it to speak it out. But when I spoke it out, things begin to change. God changes you before he changes your circumstance. He changes your attitude. Some of us want God to do something great, but we're carrying around an attitude of cynicism, an attitude of offense. We're carrying an attitude of bitterness. We're carrying an attitude of they get blessed, but I don't get blessed. Shake off that toxic attitude. Shake off that judgmental spirit. Get your hopes up today. Get filled up with God's grace. Get filled up with God's power. Get filled up with God's faith and begin to declare it. Begin to speak it out. And number three, act on it. How do you dig the ditches? Number one, you believe. Number two, you speak. Number three, you act on it. I think about stories in the Bible. The woman who pressed through the crowd, she pushed for a miracle. The four friends who brought their buddy to Jesus, they pushed for a miracle. The Roman centurion who sent a servant to say, just say the word and I know you can do it. What were they doing? They were acting with faith. They were taking a step of faith. When Peter asked Jesus, can I walk on water? Jesus said, come, come. Can I do what you do, Jesus? Come. And as Peter stepped out, he acted on his belief. It's not enough to just think it. It's not enough to just speak it. You've got to act on it. I knew a couple that was believing God to get pregnant for seven years. They had had miscarriages. Then they were told by doctors that you're never going to get pregnant. It's just not going to happen. I remember going up to them. I said, how's, how's things going? They said, we just finished the baby room. I said, did you guys adopt? Did you guys get a foster child? They said, no. I said, are you pregnant? They said, not yet. You finished the baby room? They said, yeah, it looks amazing. We worked really hard on it. I almost started crying. I said, that's, that's big faith. They said, oh yeah, God's gonna fill the room up. God's gonna fill the, we got the baby room ready. What are they doing? AJ, can I get an offering envelope? And you know what, Pastor? Were you talking about digging ditches? <laughs> You're talking about acting on it. The first buyer said, you know what? Not only will I buy one car, but I'm gonna buy six cars. What? Hey, but what? But the church is gonna match, and we're gonna do 12 cars, a car every month, brand new for single moms. Dig your ditches! Come on! Come on! This is the most generous church in the whole world. That's incredible. That's incredible. God, that's so powerful. Lord, I pray those cars go to the right people. Bless whoever gets those cars, God. Let them know that you see them, you hear them, you care about their needs. You care about their needs. So two and a half years ago, I had this vision that we would build this building that's now finished. And when I told our team about it and I told, I asked the board, the board members of our church, I said, do I have your blessing on casting the vision to our church? And they said, yeah. They said, we believe in it, but we need to sow a seed before we cast the vision. I said, okay, let's, let's do it. And as we started praying, we felt 
we felt a stirring in our heart to sow a significant seed, like a very, very large seed as a church on top of our regular monthly missions offering that we already sow into other places. And they said, let's release our faith. They said, your dad was so notorious before he would cast a vision of just doing some radical, generous thing to bless other churches in town, to bless other ministries, bless other missionaries out there before Victory would build their building. Let's do something big. So we did. What were we doing? We were sowing our seed. We were digging our ditches. When we sowed that seed, I was thinking, man, we really need that. We need that to have some momentum going into telling the church how far we've come. But God superseded our expectations. When ORU decided to buy the other building, they bought it for a price that just was incredible for the momentum of this house. Then on top of that, the church in less than 20 months paid off the $4 million we needed to raise while we went into 2020, before the pandemic hit, before the virus hit, while we were putting footers in the ground. As the vision was being cast, people came together and said, let's finish this thing. Little did we all know that a virus was going to hit, that it was going to really shut down churches across the world and finances would be a very tough thing during these last seven months. But God already knew beforehand what we needed as a church. We had dug the ditches. So when the virus hit where our church could have been hit with a really tough time, God's blessing began to pour on this house. We began to feed one family, two families, three families, four families. This week we're celebrating 3,600,000 meals that we have served in the last five months during a global pandemic when the world is fearing debt and afraid. Where's the rain gonna come from? There's a church in Oklahoma that's been digging ditches. There's a church that's like a farmer who says, I know he's got the rain. I know he's got the rain. There's still farmers in this state. And we know the power of the ditches. We know the power of the seed. I wanna just show you a quick video just to kind of, I, I was going over the highlight reel going into this week. Y'all got five more minutes? Can, just give five more minutes because I feel like this is going to stir up someone's faith. Watch this video real quick. I started seeing this idea of a building. Little did I know, I didn't even know this, but I was in my dad's office and I found blueprints that were never completed. And he, God, how's that going to happen? Because when, when my dad passed, I just thought the best days were behind us. God said, stop it. Stop discounting yourself. I'm going to do so much more in you and through you. You ain't seen nothing yet, Paul. Somebody say, you ain't seen nothing yet. I was looking at that just this last week, and I was thinking, wow, that was two years ago. And here we are looking at that building. I was thinking just nine months ago, right? Right at the end of 2019, some of y'all are like, wow, that was nine months. That feels like 10 years ago. <laughs> the virus really added some years to all of us. <laughs> Praise God. We're going to be healthier and younger on the other side of this. We're going to see miracles. But I was looking at this video from nine months ago. Just one more video. I want to show you when we, we began to put the footers in. Because some of you right now, we're digging and we haven't seen the results yet. We haven't seen the rain yet. And God gave me a word nine months ago that even when you can't see it, 
He's a way maker. Even when you don't feel it, even when you don't see it, he's preparing the ground. Don't despise the day of small beginnings. Don't despise the day of small diggings. Don't despise the day of waiting for the rain to come. It's on the way. I want you to watch this last video and then we're going to close out. You see, God's got this, but it's going to be a process. Zechariah 4 verse 10 says, do not despise the day of small beginnings for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. So a couple weeks ago, we started putting in the footers for our new building that we're building here as a church. And I went out there with my phone and I captured footage of the big crane coming and driving the steel down into the ground. Now, no one's going to see that steel because they're cutting it off and it's footers. It's beneath the ground. But I got so excited. I was smiling. I was going, God, thank you. The work is beginning. I think oftentimes we don't celebrate until we see a finished product. When God's saying, can you learn how to enjoy the process along the journey of progress before you reach the finished product? Some of us are waiting till everything's perfect, till we finally receive the full doctor's report that we're healed. So I want us to stand to our feet this morning because what I hear God saying is celebrate the day of digging. Celebrate, look back on what God has done. How many of you can see it in your eyes now? God's been faithful in the last year. God's been faithful to you. Some of you just started coming to Victory in the last few weeks, just last month. We're so honored you're here. But I want you to know the history of this house is strong. And as you've come into this building, you've come into a soil that has been prayed over, that was dug before you got here. In fact, I think you are the rain. God brought you in for such a time as this. You're the rain for the ditches that we've been digging. Come on, welcome to, welcome to the ditches that are filled with water. And God's only getting started. I see this whole room, whole room full during 9 a.m. service. I see it as full as the 11 a.m. In fact, I see it packing out more than the 11 a.m. God's going to continue to overflow. You say, why, 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 why do we need more? Because there is a harvest of people who need Jesus. There is a harvest of people who need revival. And this church is like an ark. And when Noah tried to get everyone into the ark, he was trying to protect them from a flood that was coming. Can I tell you that God said in the last days, it will be like the days of Noah. There is a flood coming, but I also believe there's a flood of favor coming on your life. I also believe there's a flood of God's goodness. I believe it's a flash flood of God's miracles. I believe that you ain't seen nothing yet. Some of you have some praise reports. God says that's that's an easy thing. What I'm about to do in your life is going to supersede anything you've seen before, but you got to get your faith up. You got to get your believing up. You got to declare it. You got to act on it. So I want us just to close our eyes today this morning. If you're here right now and God's speaking to you during this sermon to dig some ditches, to dig some ditches. Maybe it's just to take time off this week to be at every night of the conference. That's digging ditches. To get babysitters or get your kids in children's church. Dig some ditches in their life. To put your kids in Victor Christian School. Dig some ditches. You say, man, I, I don't know if we can afford these things that God's putting in our hearts. I don't know if we can even afford to do what we're doing right now. Dig some ditches. You got a need, sow a seed. Expect God to move. If you will dig the ditch, he'll bring the rain. All over this room with heads bowed, eyes closed. If you're here and God's speaking to you to dig some ditches in an area of your life, I want you to just lift your hand up today. God's speaking to you. Get your believing up. Get your speaking up. Get your actions in line with what you're believing God for. 
If you need God to fill some ditches in your life, I want you to raise your hand. You've been digging and you need to see an abundance of rain. You need to see a flash flood. You need to see God show up. Those that are watching online, I'm gonna ask you to just come to the altar. If that's you, just, if you raised your hand, come to the altar. Let it be an action of digging. You're stepping down to the altar is like putting the shovel into the ground. It's saying, okay, God, I'm gonna keep digging. No matter how hard the soil is, no matter how rocky it feels, I'm gonna dig for a breakthrough. I'm gonna dig for freedom. I'm gonna dig for a turnaround. I'm gonna dig for multiplication. I'm gonna dig for a harvest in my company. I'm gonna dig for another campus. I'm gonna dig for more ministry. I'm gonna dig for more open doors. I'm gonna dig for more clients. I'm gonna dig for more breakthroughs. I'm going to dig so I can be a greater blessing to those around me. God says, if you dig the ditches, I'll bring the rain. God's word. The end of that story in 2 Kings 3 says that the next day, after the Israelites had dug the ditches, when they walked outside, every ditch was filled with water. In the morning, it was the hour of sacrifice. And it says in verse 20, the water had arrived. Water was pouring in from the west. There was no rain. There was no wind. It was an act of God. Water began to fill. It was a flash flood, it says. Flash flood filling the valley with water. Not only that, but that same day, God handed their enemies over to them. Not only did he provide for them, he delivered them from their enemies. He gave them victory on every side. I don't know who I'm prophesying to right now, but God's saying, I'm going to deliver you out of that. I'm going to deliver what the enemy has tried to set you up for destruction. I'm going to deliver you. And now trust my process because I'm going to pull some people out of your life. I'm going to pull some things out of your life. I'm going to separate you. I'm going to sanctify you. And I'm going to bring you into a place of blessings. I'm going to give you the water you need. And I'm going to give you the deliverance that you need. I'm going to give you the victory that you need. In Jesus' name. Lord, I just pray right now. Yeah, just lift your hands up. Let's just sing this worship song. Let's take a few minutes just to linger. We're getting ready for conference. We're stirring our hearts up. We're digging ditches.
saying to encourage yourself in the Lord. When David was feeling overwhelmed in 1 Samuel 30, verse 6, it said, you know, his, his own family members were talking about stoning him to death because they were so mad at him. His own brothers, his friends, because he had made a bad decision that affected everybody. And he was feeling so shameful for his decision. He was feeling so embarrassed. I don't know who you are in the room. Maybe you feel embarrassed because of a decision you made financially. Maybe you feel ashamed. You feel like you don't deserve the mercy of God, the grace or the breakthrough. But it says David found strength as he encouraged himself in the Lord. He reminded himself that God loved him. He reminded himself that God still had mercies that were new every morning. He reminded himself that God was still a good God, even when he made dumb decisions, that God was still a good God. Can I tell you that God's character is not dependent on your character? Even when you're faithless, he's faithful. Even when you miss it, he doesn't miss it. He never misses a thing. Even when you don't feel like you deserve it, God is still a good God. His goodness is not dependent on your goodness. His faithfulness is not dependent on your uh, getting it all together. But if you will seek him, if you will look to him and come to him, he has mercy he wants to pour out for you. I forgot to mention that couple I talked to that built a, a room for their baby. They, they ended up getting pregnant. They ended up having a baby that filled that room. God, God answered their prayers. And I, I just, I think God wants to do that in someone's life this year. I think 2020, God's saying, I think about the story of Mark Batterson, the circle maker, how he walked around the streets of Washington, D.C. as a young college student, believing God that one day he would own a specific spot there and have a coffee shop and use it as a ministry. I don't know who I'm preaching to, but someone, I know, I know we got another service coming, but I just feel like the Holy Spirit saying, stir it up, stir up the faith, stir up the hope, stir up the expectancy. In 2012, I started getting text messages from a random number, and it was they were such encouraging text messages. And I said, who is this? They said, just save me in your phone as encourager. I said, mom, is this you? Did you get a separate phone? Just save me in your phone as encourager. Every week, I would get three to four encouraging, faith-filled text messages. Never underestimate the faith that you speak into someone else. Never underestimate the hope and the encouragement you speak into someone else. It's, it's free. You can give it anytime you want to. You can speak life into someone every week. This went on for two years. I thought my wife had a second phone. I said, Ashley, is this you? Or you got a second phone? Who is this? Ashley said, that's not me. Who is that? What girl is texting you? I was like, no, it's not. I don't know who it is. It's an encourager. And she said, well, what they're saying is right. They were saying things like, Paul, see it, see it. God's going to do incredible. You ain't seen nothing yet. Get a vision. Imagine the possibilities. Imagine the miracles God wants to bring. Don't be discouraged. God is with you. God is for you. All will be well. By this time next year, things are going to look so different for the good in your family, for the good in this church, for the good in your ministry. Don't get discouraged. Don't get discouraged. Lift your head up. Lift your eyes up. God is on your side. There are more for you than those that are against you. I ended up finding out that text, that person who was texting me was a teenager in our church who had got my number from his parents. And he was using a phone to just speak life. Here he was, you know, 14, 15 years younger than me, but he was just speaking hope. You don't have to be an adult to speak encouragement. You don't have to be a dad. You could be a teenager. You could be someone that speaks life into your friend. 
But I just felt like today, maybe God was using me to send some text messages to you to say, dig those ditches because God has the rain. Don't stop digging. Don't stop digging. Don't stop digging. God's not finished yet. Lord, I pray for every person in this room. Lord, I pray, God, that you would fill up the ditches that they've been digging. Lord, I pray, God, that you would bring the rain that they need. Lord, I pray for every person in the room that is believing you. You know what they're believing for, the unspoken prayer requests, the ones that they've talked to you about in their journal, the ones they've whispered to you in the middle of the night. God, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would bring the rain. Give them strategic steps on how to dig, where to dig, what to dig, what it is they're supposed to do to take that next step of faith. And God, I pray, Lord, they would have the courage and the sacrifice to do it. In Jesus' name, just say this with me. Jesus, I'm all yours. I surrender to you. I repent of sin. I believe you died on the cross. You rose from the grave. And I receive your forgiveness. I confess you as my Lord and Savior. And I choose to obey you. I will live with faith. I will believe, I will speak, and I will act with faith for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I love you, Victory. God bless you.